You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. I'll watch these fast and have them back tomorrow, I promise. Relax, at Blockbuster you can keep your videos for three evenings, so take home plenty and, and use our 24-hour quick drop. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast Special, a show looking at uh, whatever I damn please. This time around, we are looking at a conversation on video rental stores and also stores that sold DVDs. We've talked about physical media a lot in the show and how we like it, but it's an experience that you don't really have that much anymore with used DVD stores and and video rentals. So we're just going to kind of talk about our retail experience and and experience as as customers um, buying too many of these things. I'm Matt Bradley Shergi. With me is Thrasher. And no one buys video rental store popcorn. Because uh, it's shit. Um, Alex. To play is human. To rewind is divine. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's let's kick this off with when was the first time you rented uh, a video? You went to a video rental store. Is that an experience either of you remember? Because I sure do. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if it's the first time, uh, but the the first time I am consciously aware of renting a video. Uh, I've, I've mentioned on the show before that that every summer uh, at the end of June, except for this year, of course, in 2020, uh, my whole extended family would would gather at Nags Head and the Outer Banks for this sort of extended family get together, and one there was a video rental store. There was when we when we first started doing this, there was one video rental store in the area. It's actually still there. It's like changed hands several times and it does finally have competition, but it is still there. And I remember I remember us going there and I think we rented like the Brave Little Toaster and Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. This probably would have been in, I guess, 86 or 87. But we still go to that we still go to that video store today. I'm sure I'm sure we had rented before then, but that's the first time I consciously remember us renting a video. Excellent. Uh, Alex? Um, there was a, there was two great video stores in my hometown. One of them's called uh, Video Paradise. This is pre-blockbuster. And then there was one inside the stop and shop inside the supermarket. Oh yeah, sure. It had like the marquee lighting with like the, the translucent glass bulbs around it. It was like stop and shop video. And um, my mom would just dump me off in there when she'd go grocery shopping. <laughs> And, um, you know, I would, like, sit on the counter. I'm, like, five, six years old, sitting on the counter watching, like, you know, freaking searching for Bobby Fisher or some shit. Oh. And, you know, or I'd just walk around. And I just remember it was very pleasant. I remember just would, you know, be so, like, captured by all the, the, the art, the box art of the videotapes, uh, the James Bond section especially. Mm. Yeah, 
you know, the guns and the babes and the skiers with machine guns and stuff like that. So that's something that's always stuck out uh, very fondly to me. Um, I can't think of, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure the video store um, <laughs> shopping mart thing went away a long, long, long time ago. But um, very fond memories of that, definitely. Cool. Yeah. For me, it's, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try and keep it short. So I, I grew up living overseas until I was in, in third grade, pretty much moving around every few years. And we could rent videos from the embassy and the embassy had a theater, uh, the American embassy, but it, it's, it wasn't really the same thing. So uh, when we went back to the States, uh, when I was like in third grade, it was a huge culture shock. But initially we went to a mom and pop one in Centerville, Virginia, that w was quite, quite small. And the selection wasn't great. The Nintendo games they had to rent, actually, the, that selection was okay. And then a friend of a friend said, do you know about Blockbuster Video? And because we'd lived overseas, we'd never even heard of it. And they said, oh, it's you know, not that far out of town. And when I went in there, it was like my head blew off because this thing was 20 times the size of this kind of shithole place we went to before. And I, I, I don't remember what movie I rented. I remember I rented Beetlejuice on Nintendo, and I was so excited to play the game. And it's awful. Uh, it, yeah. it was developed by Rare, and it has some adventure game elements. Like, it's kind of ambitious from a design perspective. But it, it um, yeah, just seeing the selection there blew me away, and I couldn't wait. would be literally shaking with excitement to, to go to Blockbuster Video and ended up working there for a bit. I also worked at some retail stores like Suncoast Video and uh, Media Play, which was kind of... Kind of like a Best Buy that sold books. I don't know how else to describe it. Like they didn't sell big ticket items. You didn't sell televisions and uh, yeah. computers there. But they had computer games. And it, it was, I, I blow my paychecks there all the time because it was the one nearby. And this is Media so, Play, not Suncoast? Uh, yeah, that was yeah, a Media Play. Okay. But Suncoast Video, everyone knows what that is. Um, yeah. And people so, steal from Suncoast all the time. Yeah. So, Speaking of Blockbuster, there there has been an uptick in in interest in Blockbuster. Uh, one, because there's you know it's it's almost always in the news the one Blockbuster in the country that is Bend, still open. Oregon. Yeah, you know when, when they went out of business, uh, there was of course a, a lot of news, but then of course it it has an I will say Blockbuster has an extended cameo in Captain Marvel. Um, and so it's it's and there's a Blockbuster board game that is now available at a lot what? of retail outlets. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I haven't played it. I haven't like read it. But you'll sometimes, if you go to like a Walmart or a, or a Target or a place like that, there is a Blockbuster the game that, of course, uses all the licensed Blockbuster iconography. And those Blockbuster blue and yellow cases were truly iconic. But I remember when yeah. the Blockbuster opened in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, mm. and uh, my uh, my mom and I went there with my brother and sister, and we got uh, to get a Blockbuster membership, and. I think we were mainly getting it so that we could rent video games because one that was the mm -hmm. real innovation of Blockbuster was when you could rent video games from them. Uh, and video which is games they were, I'm oh, sorry, video games were so expensive back then. If you think they, fifty nine ninety nine, some of the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo games that had like a sixteen megabit cartridge cost ninety nine ninety nine, like Virtua Racer. Chrono Trigger, I think, was eighty nine ninety nine. Oh my goodness! And it, if if you do the um, what what the hell with inflation or whatever, you know, that'd be the equivalent of like two hundred, two fifty. Yeah, the 
it, it yeah and so with, with blockbuster at the time you know three to five bucks you got a video game for a weekend and so it lets you try out stuff before you bought it play mm-hmm. stuff just long enough to play it and then you can forget about it so it was really it was actually it was really it was really uh cool but i remember when we went there it took about two hours to do the application process because you couldn't just you couldn't just like sign up and become a member and rent videos there yeah. was like i think a credit check involved yeah, yeah i remember my mom had to fill out a huge form there was like a processing fee all this stuff and none of us were prepared for it but we did finally we did finally you know we uh we we i think i be- if i remember correctly what oh no now that i think about it our friend uh, our neighbor joey was with us too and we ended up renting the uh the Ghostbusters video game for the original Nintendo and this gangster game. I don't remember the name, but it was a gangster game where you used the light gun where gangsters would, would shoot at you out of windows and you had to shoot back, which is what, which is what he wanted to play. We ended up renting it for him for some reason. Uh, we shouldn't have trusted him. You could not. I, I learned much later how unreliable our neighbor was. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is that not only could you rent video games, but I think they had you do all the credit shit waiver stuff because you could actually rent consoles or VCRs even. Yeah, with a temporary $200 deposit or whatever. Right, yeah. It was, which turned off a lot of people, but... Oh, yeah, totally. Right, and I mean, you know, the main video rental place was Blockbuster. I used to work there for a few years. Uh, I was offered a job as a third key manager which means like assistant assistant manager and i turned it yeah. down because i was starting college in savannah georgia and that was in marietta and also i didn't want uh to be a blockbuster lifer because <laughs> I, I had seen people that just go on that track and well it was a fun job there was some people who get pretty dicey and in your face about late fees oh yeah i can imagine and, yeah. uh since I'm the only one of us that actually worked there, I guess, do you guys have any questions about that experience, what it's like behind the scenes? Because I'd be happy to... I mean, if you've got some dirt, you know, might as, might as yeah. well spill it. <laughs> okay, and if you have any questions, just cut me off, and then also we'll move into a bit of the movie retail experience uh, later in the show. Um, buying DVDs and whatever, because that's the whole thing. You can't really do much anymore easily. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, with it being online. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, right. So... We had the biggest thing is I I worked there at an interesting time when when DVD was just starting. I think I owned a DVD at the player at the time. No, maybe I didn't. But it was it was so early on in DVD that DVD had its own section called DVD. Um, And people would rent that thinking it was a VHS, even though the case was much skinnier. Uh, People really complain about widescreen all the time. I cannot stress. Oh, yeah. I made a stick figure drawing explaining what widescreen was to people, which they found interesting, but they still didn't care. It's like that movie doesn't uh, fill up my TV. So, so <laughs> listeners, what I'm talking about TVs before, oh, I'd say like 2005 or so. Most people had tube TVs that were four by three aspect ratio, and most movies were pan and scanned, meaning instead of if you had widescreen, you had big, thick, old black bars, and TVs were in general smaller back then and much heavier. Uh, so they would kind of artificially like zoom in and crop. And sometimes this was done tastefully and it didn't take away that much, but it's still a a real desecration of the framing and not the, uh, not the directors, not the movie studio's original intent. So with a few exceptions, like I think Woody Allen's Manhattan, he insisted have a widescreen presentation, a Blade Runner director's cut. 
add widescreen. Um, maybe stuff like Titanic might come in full screen and widescreen versions, but that's pretty unusual. Yeah, I remember sometimes you'd see on the the rental tape that you'd get from uh, from BBV from Blockbuster would have like in parentheses like you know full screen or widescreen. Sometimes like I remember we had Last of the Mohicans widescreen VHS tape growing up, which was like ooh fancy. It was still- it was so weird. Like when when a movie was released in widescreen, often it would be it would be by mistake. The the infamous uh, American VHS release of Godzilla versus Biolanti was accidentally released in widescreen. Really? And those videos were recalled in favor of a pan and scan release. Wow. So if you had one of those videos, you were a god in the uh, you were a god <laughs> and a zilla in the Godzilla fan community. I bet that goes for a lot on eBay. Can you look that up, Thrasher? Uh, it might. Let me see. Yeah, so the way a typical day would work is you would come in and there's the buck, there's the the shoot people would drop their rented movies through. And with DVD, it was much faster because you didn't have to check and rewind it. Otherwise, we had a few rewinders up on the desk that you would slam videos in, rewind it, put it back on the shelf. Uh, I, I got pretty good. I could balance like maybe 20 videotapes and walk around the store just balancing it in my hand, like feeling like an Egyptian or something with all these uh, <laughs> things in my hands. But we, we did have um, kind of uh, push carts, but just not that many of them to do. Um, VHS oh. could take... Oh, go on. Well, so speaking of VHS returns, this is this is not my story. This is comedian, writer, and podcaster Paul Shear. This is a story he told on uh, How Did This Get Made, his movie podcast, mm. where he he used to work at a blockbuster. Uh, and so there was a there was a weekend where um, they you know the the video return slot, which is you know easy and convenient, he hid in the video return slot. And so when people came to return videos, when they opened Wait. the slot, he would just reach out, grab the video, and pull it in and freak <laughs> people out. And the other people he was working with thought that was so funny. He just did that all day. He was on the clock all day yeah. snatching yeah, videos from people. And like, you know, sometimes fucking with them, like putting his hand out. I know you have more videos. Give me your videos. Right. Uh, I think well, I believe one day he even came in early just to do that before the store opened when nobody <laughs> thought anyone would be in there. And that really freaked people out. Uh, yeah, I mean, so so along those lines, um, when I started working there, they had the classic thing policy, your movies due before midnight. And then right. while I was there, they switched over to a policy that was very unpopular. It's due before noon. Oh, you're getting the third day. Well, not really. Uh-huh. People aren't going to remember to drop shit up. So, I mean... What did that result in? It was good for Blockbuster because there was a lot of late fees. Yeah. But you pissed off a lot of cuff customers. And in fact, the first time I interviewed for Blockbuster, um, I didn't get the job because I was too anxious and sweating constantly. And, the, and they <laughs> referred me to another store that I might be a better fit at. So I go to that store and the manager says, oh, uh, oh, you're here for the interview. Um, OK, d- d- just wait out there. And I waited in the store for two hours. Until the manager came out, she says, "Well, you're still waiting. You just have the job." <laughs> so no interview, no uh, no drug check, no no nothing. But in the in the future, when I tried to get a job at Blockbuster again, they had a computer with a this is such bullshit. I think they might still do this in retail. A 200 question personality test. Oh jeez. And, and the answers and and I failed it the first time because I was honest, and it, it and they don't want. Unique individuals, and I, um, I didn't cheat, but I basically lied and said, "Oh, I kind of like thought it 
reverse engineered it and go, okay, what kind of person do they want? And I had to answer right. it that way to pass. Even though I had six years retail experience, they would not hire me unless I passed That's the stupid crazy. upfront test. It has questions like, would you not never know no steal five cents from the uh, register? It's like <laughs> a lot of double negatives. It's a lot of like, if there's right. a crowd, would you stand up in the crowd? If yeah, you're in, it's like a you stay in Have you ever taken that for retail stuff, Thrasher? It's the biggest load of horseshit. Oh, oh, not only not only have I taken it for retail. When I when I, uh, I there was a year where I worked at our local post office, and I had to do one of those tests for the post office. Uh, and it's so there's two things that one, all that test does is screen out people who don't know how to lie effectively. Um, yeah. Uh, but then two, they're always based on Myers-Briggs, which is thoroughly unscientific bullshit that somehow the entire managerial world has been conned into investing in. Even now, yeah. it's. Aye, aye, aye. The, the, I mean, the, there, there have even been studies on it. If you get a person to take that t the full assessment on different days of the week, you will get <laughs> completely different results with no That's pattern crazy. between them. Yeah, that's goofy. It's quite um, faulty. I remember uh, for Christmas one year, um, this is, I mean, you guys know, but I'm a big Hong Kong cinema fan, Jackie Chan mm -hmm. fan. So for Christmas one year, I, my dad just had his like wires crossed and he gave my brother, it was called the the Jackie fan, Jackie Chan Rumble Pack. It was a two VHS oh. tape collection and it had a um, police story and this bonus tape just called like Fists of Chan. It was just like a compilation of fight scenes. Okay. And my brother got out so jealous. I was so super duper pissed. It turns out this was the second Rumble Pack. Blockbuster had Rumble Pack Volume One, oh. and I went out and bought it. And I thought this was going to be like my triumphant moment. And um, it had this movie called Thirty Six Crazy Fists, which was just a retitle of another Jackie Chan movie I had bought. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was bullshit about that. And then the other one was uh, Snake in the Eagle Shadow, which was like he dies in like the first twenty minutes. So there was this thing where I would always go to Blockbuster, and this was right after, like, you know, Rumble in the Bronx blew up and everything. So what they would do is that they had these VHS tapes with, like, contemporary pictures of Jackie Chan on the cover, just, like, yes. you know, yeah, but doing a pose. Stuff. And they were the yeah. worst movies. Mm -hmm. And, like, every time I was like, okay, this one looks good. Like, he's got, like, the white suit from, like, you know, First Strike on the cover. And then I'd take it home, and it's, like, To Kill with Intrigue, which is just garbage. And, like, every week I thought I was going to be, like, a different result. And I have, like... I had all of them, all of the crappy, like, it was just like a graphic of Jackie Chan, this bad, like, you know, pixelated picture of Jackie, and it'd say the title on the bottom. And the quality was just garbage, and I think I still have them all somewhere, like the Killer Meteors, To Kill with Intrigue, Shaolin mm. um, Meteor, That might be the only one where Jackie Chan played a bad guy. Yeah, that's one of the, there's mm. that, and there's also Rumble in Hong Kong, which again is just another cash grab title from, where he has a giant mole, and he's a, a villain as well, but... Yeah, the killer meteors he did with Jimmy Wong Yu, which was actually like a way to settle like a gambling debt he had because he owed Wong Yu a favor. It was crazy. We need to, at some point, we'll need to do a special Jackie Chan episode because I can go off on that for a long time. I've oh, only yeah, seen maybe yeah. 30 something of his movies. And, uh, right. But it's. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not going to get off on that. Yeah, Thrasher. The Godzilla versus Biolanti widescreen VHS. So looks like everybody who. so. The Godzilla movies are now much more accessible on streaming through Crackle and through DVD and Blu-ray. Sure, so it looks like the value of the VHS has gone down. All the recent listings I find for it, they all kind of average out around nine bucks. Okay. But there is... are some out-of-print Blu-rays that are going for like 200 <laughs> Holy shit. Um, right. 
there is a, a DVD that goes for quite a lot that I was looking for. That's a double feature of Rodan and is the Gargantuans. What's this one called? A War of the Gargantuans. Yeah. Oh yeah. That one goes around two hundred something. Uh, and in fact, when I, I I built my gorilla collect not gorilla Godzilla collection, which I need to um, throw on my Plex server here at home, uh, I got everything I think except for Shin Godzilla. And at the time, to get the Japanese version of King Kong versus Godzilla and Son of Godzilla, I had to go through bootlegs because Son of Godzilla is an out of print Sony disc that goes for like uh, over a hundred bucks for whatever reason, Ooh. and it's the English dub only. So you go to eBay for bootlegs sometimes, but sometimes the bootlegs are quite good quality. Um, back to back to video rental stores. You know, Blockbuster Video had such a hold on the industry. Um, studios would make direct-to-video movies exclusive for Blockbuster. Uh-huh. Video game companies would do video games exclusive for Blockbuster. Uh, I re- I remember Clay Fighter '64 on a Nintendo '64. I think was a Blockbuster exclusive, as was the N64 port Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, which has a higher resolution than the PC version. Yeah, there was um, Blockbuster really did have the capital on the video rental market. Um, there was an independent video store in my hometown, Video Paradise. And they actually were on the DVD train before Blockbuster. Like, they were the Mm. first place Uh, to have DVD rentals. I mean, it was a consolidated selection, but we appreciated it. And um, I think also one advantage this place had over Blockbuster was that they had dirty movies. Oh, (laughs) right, sure. In the the back room, you know, know, That's a big part of the experience, right? I mean, porn has always led the home video industry uh, and is important is is often unfairly overlooked uh yeah i mean i I don't think i've seen an entire porn movie all the way through since i was like in middle school or something but i i I still recognize what the genre does and i'm quite respectful of it and like you said those rooms in the back with the little curtain yeah uh, little beads or the curtain or whatever alive yeah Yeah, that that, wild because like in in blockbuster blockbuster kind of it, it had, I'll be generous and say content restrictions. Very often there'd be like, they would never have like pornography or like adult films, but there'd be like an erotica or like heightened drama section where it would have clearly what is just softcore porno yes. in the Cinemax right. vein. Yeah. But but then your local store, yeah, your local store would have that back room uh, that would have the, the adults only stuff. Except for the one local store that was just like sort of brazen about it, and as long as there was no nudity on the on the VHS cover, it would yeah. just be out in its own section. There was we, um, we had one of those. <laughs> they uh they weren't very brazen about it. It was like a local thing, like everyone knew about it, but you didn't really talk about it. And the other thing I think there's a few things they did to really kind of like keep their edge um, and and you know kind of triumph over Blockbuster. They had a lot of different like subsections. Like you know they had a great horror section, but then they had like what they they had a good international section as well. You know where you get your foreign flicks like like Vion Rouge and all that cinema paradiso and stuff. And then they had what they just called the like, alternative, which was just gay cinema, like Todd Haynes movie. Oh, they called it alternative. That's funny. They just called it alternative, yeah, which is okay. code for gay, mm-hmm. which I. Uh, I thought it was funny, but um, yeah, they also had a thing that was like a punch card, and every 12 movies you either yes. got a free rental, or you could rummage through the screener bin, and you got to keep the tape. So I had a I had a screener tape of Gross Point Blank with a little thing below it, you know, it's like, you should not be viewing this, because they couldn't sell it, obviously, but they could give it yeah. away as an incentive. So, I, so, so that was something that it was a really cool thing that the local independently owned stores had, is that they would often have really interesting ways of organizing their movies. Uh, 
And the one there was there was one that was actually within there was a, an independently owned video store that that used to be within walking distance of uh, where I lived when I was in middle school that I would go to all the time to get anime. And one of the fascinating things about them is they had three animation sections. They had Disney, which was just Disney animation, uh, although mm. every now and then Don Bluth stuff would show up in there yeah. uh, because, you know, nobody knew except connoisseurs that not every musical is a Disney. Uh, right. Then they had cartoons, which was usually like Hanna-Barbera stuff, Warner Brothers mm. stuff, any, any fat kid or family entertainment that wasn't Disney. And then they had animation, which was anime and yeah. Ralph Bakshi and like mm. any any animation that wasn't for kids just went in animation, which was on the opposite side of the store. Disney and cartoon were like right next to each other, but but the but animation was clearly its own separate thing. Well, you know what probably happened? Some kid probably grabbed you know Akira or something, and the unassuming parent, you know what I mean? Probably just like, oh my god, you know, because if you had all the you know violent anime stuff next to, you know, the fun. Oh, I'm sure. And in fact, I saw I saw that sev- several times. There'd be like a uh, like an a-, a family friendly animation section, and then in the middle of it would be one of the most disturbing pieces of anime you've ever seen that clearly should not be there, but they didn't know where else to put it. I mean, that was a big part of the job at Blockbuster that took a lot of time. Is every so often throughout the day, you would have to go into a section and just put it back in order. And I got very good at alphabetizing. But the kids section was such a goddamn mess that you often would just leave it alone because you could spend. <laughs> 10 minutes reorganizing it and then like some kid would just bulldoze through it in a minute oh uh, yeah it, it sure was all sticky and everything too probably. yeah i mean but but i can't stress this enough because it's not quite the same on a netflix or a streaming service people would spend like upwards of 30 minutes an hour wandering around mm-hmm. the store looking at the box deciding what to rent or as you would do alex or i'm sure you did a toothbrusher just chill out and hang out there because it was air conditioned yeah. it had a bathroom uh it had a water fountain you could kill uh a whole day there if you wanted and they wouldn't throw you out especially if it was you know a suncoast video or something in the mall they might chuck you out of there but a blockbuster video you know a mom could drop a kid off there and go get her nails done or whatever it's yeah we just look around and look at stuff and even like if it like it really wasn't loitering like we were sincerely interested in the Mm -hmm. in the merchandise i mean it might look like loitering because we you know i could probably burn a whole afternoon day even in some I, I burned weekends doing that i mean yeah. we, we we had uh the other thing you'd see at at stores blockbuster video had this some but it was really more of a thing at local stores employees picks right yes like like johnny at the store likes these five movies be cool like johnny right. rent, rent his stuff and, and that was something i wish blockbuster would have done more of like i wasn't a manager so i didn't get to be on that list but it was fun to uh to to try that to that was part of the experience like because it reminded me of the old video game magazine EGM, where it was modeled after oh, what the hell? Uh, Japanese video game magazines, where four people would review the same title. Oh, cool! And, and that way, and it was just on a one to ten scale, and that way you could look at the numbers and, and look at the genre that critic did, and like, I oh, I, I like ninjas, ninja sushi X's stuff. I'm gonna pick a game that sushi X rates high. Like, I think it's a really good rating right. system because you it get kind of a too. consensus. Exactly. And like, you know, criticism. So, you know, um, uh, what's the word? No, not objective, but you know what I mean? Um, one person's opinion isn't the, the, the opinion mm. of everyone. And, um, that was a great thing is that the video paradise or the records for Spinnaker where I'd always hang out. And it was just, it got to a point, I think I've told you guys this before, where I would just walk in and Josh would just hand me something 
And he'd be like, you're going to like this. And 10 times out of yeah, 10, he was right. I mean, there's like blind by, you know, Korean flicks. I have um, Thai movies and I love them, you know, stuff I totally wouldn't have, have landed on. But I am happily known to this day, you know, going, you know, a decade out. And that was something that like across the board, a lot of video rental places would do is they'd have one or more TVs up and they would just have a video playing. And like the best of them would really use kind of like hype hype of video what was great is that whatever was playing would either be something really good or something really bizarre because the people working there had already seen all the good stuff and like <laughs> the best of them like that local place that was within walking distance they had a little pedestal on the checkout counter that just said like what's on and like whatever they had playing on the tv in the shop they would just have the case up on up on there and like yeah and I think at one point you could rent whatever was playing at a discount. So it was an interesting way to push oh, cool. weird really cool. stuff. Um, you know, yeah, the way this Well, at chain stores, the one thing that sucked is when they had like a preset roll of promotional video that they would play. Oh, that sucked. And I must have oh, sucked yeah. even worse if you had to work there watching the same 47 that. minutes of promo video. Right. It, it, it did. And I, I was just going to say, sorry, I was cutting you off there. Uh, the this conversation is going so well we'll just stick to video rental stores this time in movie retail stores like suncoast we'll talk about on another yeah. special episode okay. um right so in a blockbuster video to this in particular um yeah there was a looping video when you would go insane in in a vhs deck that would rewind itself when it was finished so it would it was in loop mode so to speak and uh it, the, the thing i remember being like extremely stupid too is so i worked there right when dvd started more or less and there, there'd be a commercial on there telling you, oh, you should switch to DVD because of better picture quality. But this was a videotape on the screen. <laughs> so the movie they showed to show the difference was the Jeff Daniels movie about the geese and they helped the geese family fly me away, fly home, something like that. A fly away home. I Thank know. you. Fly away home. And it would, they basically sp spoofed the footage and had half of it look overly bright and saturated, and the other half look dingy and dark. See the difference of DVD? Like, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a valid comparison between the two formats. And you get special features. And I just looked at that and, like, you're lying to the consumer, which is what advertising is to, to, in some version, or you're, you're yeah. you know, really pushing the, making it look perfect. Um, and with the videotapes and DVD it, from the rental store point of view, videotapes could take a lot of damage before breaking, but DVDs oh, yeah. could scratch pretty easy. It got better as the format went on, but so many more DVDs came back unplayable than, than, yeah. than videotapes. Sometimes the tapes would break or jam, which, oh. which is one thing we had. Oh, one of the, one of the big new ones that came out was because all around the perimeter of the store at Blockbuster, he had new releases, right? and that's what you had the most copies of, and Eyes Wide right. Shut just came out on video, Stanley Kubrick's last film, and the big thing was what, the sex scene, right, with right. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Kidman. Who, who were married at the time. Yeah, uh, Entertainment Weekly promoted that movie, and they put little Entertainment Weekly globes around Nicole Kidman's breasts when they played the sex <laughs> scene on there. It was very funny. Um, anyhow, this movie was super popular, and uh, if the movie wasn't there, you can get a rain check. So we gave out a lot of rain checks, which you lose oh, money yeah. on. And on top of that, uh, the initial VHS pressing we would get of these movies from the studios, uh, 
I don't know how this works in the 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 tape on VHS media. Uh, the movie was prone to jamming and not working. So this was a movie high in demand, and it was like screwing up people's not breaking their VCR, but like they couldn't watch the whole thing. Well, so we know what would happen too is yeah. that people would pause it a lot, and it would stretch out the tape. It would always happen around like you know right YouTube, to to like that to, to get off to the video. And yeah. if you're watching a movie where you might notice on videotape and. I mean, that's one thing that's sort of cool about VHS. I don't think the image quality is good, but the organic nature, just like a film reel, every time you play it, you damage it a bit. So mm-hmm. it's going to look, get wear and tear over time. But those, uh, uh, you know, usually like a topless scene or, or a sex scene or, or something, uh, you, you, it, it starts to slow and kind of wiggle on the screen. Yeah, it's delightful, so kind of a lot of noise on the picture. Or if you were a freak like my brother and I, you know, we'd slow-mo, like, headshots in our movies and shit. We'd be like, oh, look at his head explode, you know. So, oh, that's like, funny. Yeah, sure. Yeah, when the good, like, you know, gunfight happens, you know, the, the tape gets all scrambled because we're like, all right, you know, broken arrow, and you see the guy get shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one thing that was fascinating about the rental places is it did, is it did create this whole interesting, like, economic phenomenon because when the video rental stores first came out, a lot, most studios didn't have much of their catalog available on home video. It was not seen as that important of a market. Like, who's going to want to actually own these films? Just a handful of collectors. We'll make our real money by selling it to television and cable. Yeah. Um, and so what that meant is there was a lot of shelf space that needed to be filled because you still want to have new product in there. And so then people like Roger Corman and Charles Band came forward and started yeah. cranking out interesting, quirky oh, yeah. movies with eye-catching titles and video covers. And like they, they made their own film franchises and cinematic universes. And some of them still last today. They're still making Puppet Master movies. And oh, the yeah. original Puppet Master was just made to sell to video rental places. <laughs> I think the well, original think one of... played theatrically barely, but you're right. It was a consistent one of their top uh, films. I remember um, one thing I loved was that whenever there was a new release, you always had like the most of that. So, you know, like you'd see, like, say something like Eyes Wide Shut, like the first like week it was out, there'd be like, you know, eight tapes. And then uh, we would do like a countdown, like a few weeks later, there'd be like four tapes. And then a few tapes, a few weeks later, there'd be like two tapes and then one. And that was a countdown to when you could buy the previously viewed VHS tape on the shelf, like retail. Right. And then it would go from like, yeah, it would go from like twelve ninety nine to nine ninety nine to eight ninety nine, and then once it's like three ninety nine, five ninety nine, that's when you cha ching, you know, cash in on it. Or they do the sales like... where it's buy four for twenty bucks, five yeah, for twenty, exactly. four for twenty. Those were big. Yeah, I remember. Uh, it's like how I got Copland Breakdown. Um, nice. Some yeah. other stuff that probably isn't as good that I'm not remembering, but yeah, that's like a VHS collection I had in the works there. Right, and also, I mean, with uh, with piracy, especially on DVD on VHS, it was easy to do. You just would buy. Uh, I used to yeah. do some, frankly. Uh, you would buy two video uh, VCRs, which are pretty cheap, hook them together, and just dub one to the other. If a videotape had copy protection, like Macrovision, that wouldn't quite work. It would do something weird to it. But my uh, my grandma and grandpa in Florida had like one of the very first VCRs, like they were able to to retire early because he worked for the Department of Treasury. Grandpa worked for the Department of Treasury. And and this thing like was a battle axe. It lasted decades. And it had, oh, yeah. it, it was a dual uh, deck VCR and it had a copy button that let you copy from the left <laughs> uh, deck to the right. I'm like, that's awesome. And that when, you were, when you were dubbing movies on, on videotape, 
I hope our listeners aren't bored. Otherwise, they've probably turned off the show by now. You could set the VCR to do, uh, what is it, SP, LP, or SLP. Yeah. And you could put two, standard four, play. or six yeah. hours. Standard play, long play, super long play, super something long, like yeah. that. And if you did six hours in one tape, like the quality was worse, so you had to make a, a Sophie's oh, Choice. Yeah. But most people, you know, you're a kid, you're poor, you you do SLP, and then you record oh, yeah. on top of that same videotape to put something else on it. So you can uh, organically degrade the image in really interesting ways, and you can see kind of the ghost of a frame behind of what you doubled <laughs> three or four times. Those were always uh, fascinating right. moments. And and Sony had pretty good blank tapes as far as quality, but it yeah, they definitely stuff. did. JVC, oh, geez. Ages. Yeah, there was... Um... We had a great collection of stuff taped off HBO, Spaceballs, Next Caliber. It's like whatever movies you grew up watching was stuff that you or your parents taped off of cable. <laughs> like that would dictate right. your taste. With the commercials, which are sometimes better than the movie itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, did any of you ever make any interesting discoveries at a video rental place? Mm. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, I I discovered a lot this summer with my friend Zach Kaufman and I. Because I worked at Blockbuster Video, I could get movies for free and we would just... Uh, figuratively rob the place blind. So we would just get a bunch of like Coke and pizza. And uh, he kind of introduced me to horror movies. I had seen like The Shining before, but my dad, my family is pretty conservative. My dad really didn't like horror movies. I always liked, liked the gore stuff like like Conan because he'd have us watch rated R movies. And, and being introduced to some some like schlocky horror, I think was a big thing for me. Slumber, Ma- uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2, <laughs> I, I think is especially funny. Uh, Sleepaway Camp 2. Uh, there's the one you introduced me to a lot of trauma stuff. Oh yeah. And with the, I, I, lo- I still love that stupid synthesized music when the trauma films, da, 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 all the things, uh, Michael Hurt's production, all, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes you would get behind the scenes stuff like extras on, on videotapes, but not that often. Or if it was, it would play after the movie. Yeah. There's, um, I remember the, like the Sixth Sense was one of the early ones that would have like an after the it was like little like Easter eggs that they hid and stuff in the movie, um, you know, stuff that would obviously just be a bonus feature now. That was um, kind of a big deal back then. The uh, so yeah, so so many trauma movies were discovered in video places. Cannibal the Musical is my own uh, personal favorite, but uh, one movie that was great that that uh, was. Uh, there's this anime that is, at least in my experience, is pretty soundly reviled in the anime fan community because I... it's an anime that mocks anime, but it's a uh, special combat unit Shinesman. Have you all ever seen that? No, oh, no, I've never heard of that. It it really is hilarious. It's a, it's a parody of anime hero shows, but also Super Sentai, where the premise is it's about a special team of, of color-coded superheroes with ridiculously specific colors, such as sepia and salmon pink and moss green uh but they are they are a superhero team who exist to protect japan's economy from extraterrestrial threats that's amazing yeah so like the, the villains are aliens who are specifically trying to devalue the yen so that they can buy japan and then use japan as their beachhead for conquering the rest of the world with their military um and so, and so the Shinesmen, they, they dress like business people. Like they dress in these like suits with power ties, but then they have these giant Power Ranger helmets and these like giant gauntlets on. And 
it's it's one of those movies where like a lot of the humor uh, is difficult to translate into English. So the people who localized it kind of got pretty punch drunk and played fast and loose with it and added an extra layer of comedy. Like one of one of my favorite a line that I still quote is is Serena, please just step into the giant floating green square, which is like. <laughs> The how the aliens teleport, and it's just so just and just so great. It has these great moments. Like if you were a superhero, what color would your uniform be? Oh, it would be red because red is always the leader. <laughs> that's what we need. And yeah, it's, it, it's just it's funny as hell, and it's short, but like it's not a lot of people like it. But I never would have seen it if it hadn't just been sitting on a shelf at Blockbuster. Mm. Although the the way it was displayed at Blockbuster made it look like a generic piece of anime. So I overlooked it until a friend of mine who actually, who worked there, my friend Hector is like, okay, you got to see Shinesman. Just trust me, watch Shinesman. And he was completely right. Do you guys remember um, watching like series, like renting series tapes on, on, on VHS? Like I, rented shows? Doctor, I rented Doctor Who whenever I could find it. So I saw yeah. a lot of... I saw a disproportionate amount of Tom Baker and Peter Davison. <laughs> uh, Star Star Trek, where they'd have like one or two episodes on the videotape. Yeah. I, I do that some. Um, with with kids' cartoons, you would they would not do seasons back then. It was, yeah, no, unless it was anime, of course. But they they would do yeah. like best of or something. But there's a really um, good one. I, I think you could find it on YouTube. Oh, what's the name of it? It's an anti-drug. TV special crossover that had Bugs Bunny, Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Yeah, that's wow. uh, it has Garfield. Uh, this year's 30th anniversary. Fantastic. It ha- has Garfield. Okay. It has um, the one of the songs is done by like Alan Minken and Howard Ashman. Uh, <laughs> it, it, to hear Bugs Bunny be like, ah, oh, don't smoke dope, Doc, is... <laughs> It, it's, 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 it, I, I've seen that dozens of times. It's inter- oh, if you're is. ever in a bad mood, just watch that. It's it's the most surreal experience you'll you'll, you'll ever see. It's George C. Scott, the villain Smoke. Yes, and and <laughs> I, it, it has an it has an It'll introduction. <clears throat> it has an introduction by President of the time uh, George Bush Senior, who, who I think is with his wife, going like that's a, the U.S. anti-drug thing, blah blah blah. But and so you have the gimmick of, of like this crossover, which I always like crossover things. But it's and you have that thrill of seeing these cartoon characters with each other. I believe maybe a Smurf might have been in there or something. Papa Smurf <laughs> wasn't it? Yes. Papa Smurf. So uh, it, it's just really that one's really surreal. That was made. I don't know if you could purchase it. It was certainly available for rent, perhaps even for rent for free, because you had that sometimes too, right? Like it would be a videotape of Nintendo commercials or. Uh, yeah, weird promotional things. Or like or, sometimes you get like the styrofoam tape. Right. Like, actually, I... like this tape made of styrofoam. I think when it showed up in our video stores, I think the the, the deal was you could rent Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue for a dollar, unless you were a teacher, yeah, then yeah. you could get it right. for free. In this quarter on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. And in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics. Plus snacks, movie fighters. We watch movies and beat them up. 
The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast covers the latest Nintendo news while also diving into what's hot in pop culture, music trivia, hands-on impressions, and so much more. Hopefully we can make you laugh, too. You'll find new episodes of the Go Nintendo podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network every single week. And, and yeah. my, my, my sister and I were like the, the Ernest movies. I mean, I like them more than she did. I think she just kind of tolerated them. But uh, there was one that was like Ernest whatever collection, and uh, it was just a collection of the commercials he did. Because Ernest, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, it did so many commercials directed by John R. Cherry. Actually, I know, I know the videotape you you uh, mean. It was actually called the Ernest Film Festival. Right. Yeah. So we didn't know it was commercials, and I sat through the whole thing because it felt like I had to. But like, (laughs) he did so many variants of the same commercial for like different businesses. Like from a business perspective, it was pretty smart. He's like, "Hey, Vern, it's metal yellow. You got that, Vern?" (laughs) <laughs> oh no it's all my pants like i mean but he i don't know that do you, you know, know ktr7 channel 22's got the rated bunch at 4 30 <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it, it was so strange he uh he's, he's someone that passed all too soon uh I, yeah. another thing i remember I, I was according to math this would have been i was seven years old i don't know if that's the case really but i i went to blockbuster video and on the shelf for new releases was a. Uh, Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. Oh. And it had Michael Myers face on it. And I thought, well, this is strange. Mike Myers. So I married an ax murderer. Is this related <laughs> to that? He has a knife and the one he has an ax or Wayne's world or hey. all that stuff. Yeah. So it, it was, exactly. uh, some, you know, I think, uh, I wasn't the only person confused by that. And in fact, Jamie Lee Curtis tried to get Mike Myers to cameo in H2O, but he wouldn't. <laughs> He refused. And it would have been yeah, kind of like in, in Scream 3 where it has Jay and Silent Bob in there. It just takes you right out of the movie. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's very so, strange. Did, did, so here's here's a question. Did you all, uh, was there ever like an inexplicable image or like it, like a thing, a thing that you saw at a video store that you never got a chance to rent and you've never seen anywhere else and you wish you could have? Ooh. I love that question because so much stuff came out on videotape that didn't come out on DVD. Yeah. yeah. Even though DVD had quite a good library for Blu-ray, it's not very good for 4K. It's even worse. And the way things are going, I could see physical media being a print-on-demand industry. Um, but Oy. but we, we've talked about that in the past. I, we're not going to get into it at this point. But um, Sure, there was one that was... Uh, Hmm. Prehysteria. I never saw. Oh, I. Funnily enough, uh, I saw part of that last night. It was on a. Uh, it was on this on this TV weird. Or... Not not actually. I think it is available on Tubi. But there's like a. Uh, we have access to this like. Um, uh, what? Who is it? Shout Factory. We have access to this like Shout Factory streaming channel that just randomly plays different Shout Factory things. It was streaming huh. last night on on this oh, wow. Shout Factory channel. Okay, yeah. I mean that, and I only remember the box because it was the kid that was in Last Action Hero and My Girl Two, the boy, and oh, it, it, it was a mockbuster, is what they call the, those knockoff of blockbusters that came out around the time of Jurassic Park to kind of steal its thunder. Roger Corman did Carnosaur, which was actually yeah, a novel, which, which surprises me. But um, yeah, it was just one of those things. And I understand it's not that good, but like they made three of them. And like, that was one of, 
full moon features or whatever their kids label was. Uh, the kids label was blue moon. Blue moon. Thank you. Uh, one of, one of their top selling titles, period. Yeah, and and it's and it's just such a it's it's part of a whole genre that almost I think it only exclusively existed in direct to video stuff, which is kid gets kids get weird pets, and they'd always be. Did they have to get a rating on it? I guess maybe P. Maybe they were unrated. I don't know, but I, I mean, suspect they were unrated. Yeah, because it's you have to spend money to get it rated by the MPAA. Yeah. But it it was just really one of those things, just very uh, cheesy and. Uh, I don't know because I like Last Action Hero and, and My Girl too. Uh, I, I was not so hot on, but we should do My Girl for the show. I've never, I haven't seen those. Years. That'd be funny. Um, anyhow, yeah, apocalypse. that's one. Go on. I would say yeah. the best example of the kids get weird pets movie. Check out Pet Shop, which I believe is also a Blue Moon release. That movie is so is so weird on every level. Just every level of the premise. Just just watch it and be amazed at okay. all the weird stuff you are going to see in Pet Shop. Alex, what's something that you have sour grapes over? You know that you meant to rent and then you never did, and then you haven't seen it since. There's um a few horror movies that I always wanted to get. One of them was just called um Scream, not obviously obviously not Wes Craven Scream, but mm. it was just called Scream. And the the cover art was so cool. It was like a horizon with a hand with like a a scythe in it. Oh, um, and it just looks so badass, and it's probably just a dumb, you know, low rent slasher flick. And um, there was another one. It was um, it wasn't. I think it was Deadly Spawn, but there was another war movie. And mm. um, because I saw Platoon at an abnormally young age, um, oh God. Kind of young, and thought it was like you know it was like a very intense movie. And um, there was another movie called Platoon Leader. Which like there's like sometimes when you're like a kid you see like the the, the sequel of something and you think it's better because like I thought like Psycho two was better than Psycho just because they had more gore and um, you know because I was like ten or something like that you know it was just more exciting so I thought like you know maybe Platoon Leader would be like better than Platoon um, it's probably terrible but it's always been kind of a rock in my shoe well and um, on the, on the boxes they'd have these like movie critic quotes that would say like. In their tradition of platoon, as a logline, right. or, or or it would say like makes platoon looks like kid stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like um, like the professional. I remember it said like makes speed look like a trip to grandma's house or something like that. That has nothing to do with speed. That's so stupid. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a. Long <laughs> it was just the blockbuster du jour. Yeah. Maybe exactly. it was actually a blockbuster uh, marketing guy that like wrote the review under a fake name because Sony got in trouble for that for some of their stuff in the yeah. late 90s. That was actually the start of like misquoting critics or just creating critics. Like I remember um, Independence Day had Leonard Maltin's quote and it just said incredible dot 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 and they the actual review one. is incredible. Incredibly stupid. <laughs> uh, oh, oh there, there was one of those in um, TV Guide at the time for what it might have been Fox had some show about firefighters that like only lasted a season and let's just say it's called yeah. firefighters for the sake of argument. And the quote was like firefighters turns up the heat. And, and like the full sentence was like, while there's a few scant scenes where firefighters turns up the heat, this show left me really cold. <laughs> the, the, the best, the best example of, of that recently, this was from, I think two or three years ago on the, uh, the AV club there, mm. uh, one of their, their one of the reviewers had reviewed a movie and it was like, you know, while, because it, it was a weird movie, while I'd like to say 
this movie is daring. It's just a mess. And then the on the cover, it's daring. Daring. <laughs> yep. Oh, the and then they basically they went so far as to like contact the people who made the DVD, like please take my quote off your cover. Wow. You can, I don't know. You could actually do that. Well, and well, you can request it. It's not like they don't have to do legal, it but yeah. there right. was some. It led to some odyssey. Like I feel like they did. A, they got to do a DVD commentary on the movie or something because they had reached out to the makers. But like. Uh. I mean, I guess presumably you could argue, well, maybe it's not fair use to use my quote if it's out of context. I don't know. Right. There's um. They would also totally bastardize Quentin Tarantino. Like if you it was like if you saw oh, something yeah. like some secondary, you know, like I like Boondock Saints that said like this is this year's Reservoir Dodge or something like that. And there's also his um uh rolling thunder pictures is like distribution company and it was like you know quentin tarantino presents like and then it was like chunking express or like takashi katano sonatine but it had like quentin's face in the corner with like the like logo and everything so people thought the rolling thunder pictures was that the one rolling thunder pictures and like it was cool of him i guess to distribute these really interesting movies but people would think that these were like you know they had never seen yeah Yeah. it's like why are they speaking chinese i don't yeah Right, uh, exactly. Well, in a lot of things, like when I mean, you mentioned Jackie Chan earlier, these movies were, uh, especially stuff through Miramax, was they were, were highly boulderized, highly cut down from the originals. Uh, the English script often would not resemble the original intent of the film. Yeah. I mean, with, with translation, you know, it's always an art. You, it, you can't do a one-to-one translation. Otherwise, it'll be like cat, tuna, walking, banana, the, right? Right. It, there is it, like... um. Yeah. It was like a in, in Drunken Master where Jackie knocks the guy off into a pile of, of, of dog shit. And the what he literally says in Cantonese, I think, is um, hungry dog searches for food. And then in the translation, it's like, eat shit or something like that. Like, hungry dog searches for food is infinitely cooler than, like, eat shit or something like that. But, you know, it's all a matter of translation. Um, there's some direct-to-video movie. I can't find the title, but uh, you mentioned the Tarantino thing. It starred Quentin Tarantino's dad. Who who left Tarantino as a kid pretty early in his life, and Checking Sal Pacino, and Sal Pacino's dad, <laughs> and then and it has their first names in tiny letters like Tony Tarantino, Tony Tarantino, Sal Pacino. Oh, yeah. And so at the top it says Tarantino Pacino in like Danger Nights or whatever the hell it's called. Like it's some you know DTV action movie, and they would do the same with like Frank Stallone or or some of oh, Bill yeah. Murray's brothers would be in. I mean, some of them have actually been in Bad Man and have done Brian Do- Doyle Murray. You know, is one of the the founders of um, modern comedy. Really did a lot of that improv right. stuff in Chicago, but or like uh, Robert Downey Sr. Um, it was a uh, yeah. it was also funny because all the all the Bruce Lee knockoffs, like Bruce Lee, Bruce Woe, and just me being a kid, there was a Bruce Lee sure. movie, and I just figured like, oh, it's just like a goof up. You know, they probably just misprinted it because that would happen. And it was uh, Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, the legend, and it just like was all these pictures of Bruce Lee with the nunchucks and everything. And then I get this like. Not very good Taiwanese knockoff Bruce Lee movie with Bruce Lai, you know, L-I. <laughs> shameless, shameless distribution. I, I, had a, I had a screenwriting teacher in high school who he said his college roommate was such a Star Trek nut that he came home with a copy of like Sex Trek 2, The Wrath of Bob. <laughs> and he insisted he had to watch it because it was related to Star Trek. They couldn't make it the Wrath of Connie. The pun is right there. 
Right. <laughs> the wrath of come. I don't know. Yeah, like what would you, what do you do with that? <laughs> uh, the the motion in the ocean picture. Yeah, I I don't know what the hell you would do with this stuff. It's so stupid. Um, well, and then later you had with with the pornography tapes because of lawsuits, they would have to say Avatar the parody or whatever in the title. I don't, think, I don't think they had to do it. I think they just found out they didn't have to come up with the title anymore if they just put a uh, parody. They didn't. They didn't have to be clever anymore. Yeah, as opposed to Edward Penis hands. And uh, we didn't know it, but an era came to an end. Flesh yes. Gordon we had in stock at Blockbuster. I'm sure it was the R-rated oh, wow. cut. Oh, yeah. But we would get some unrated cuts sometimes because they were quite popular. Um, Basic Instinct, the European okay, cut. Yeah. Um, and then there's, um, I remember some animes too. You like literally had to have like an adult present to rent it. It would say like, you know, it would have the little, there was a little like oh, adult oh. restricted sticker they would put on the on the tape, I remember. Adults <laughs> only, or... Or absolutely not for kids. Yes. <laughs> well, they still have to do that for, for movies, and it doesn't work. Because for uh, I saw oh the, the not-so-good Muppet detective movie that came out a year or two ago. Oh, uh, oh yeah, the uh, Pappy Town murders. Yeah, it murders oh, in the title, like right? Oh, like McCarthy, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and they had big signs saying, like, not for kids. And we went to see it, and there was a bunch of kids with their mom in the theater. No, and I mean, it's, it's about, it, it's as, uh, the language and, and, and sex and violence and stuff is as raw as meet the feebles. Maybe not quite that intense, but yeah. So it's like people are, are such autopilot. I mean, when I worked in movie theaters, people wouldn't even say the name of the movie they wanted tickets for. They said, I want one for Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. As opposed to that that LA thing where you just say, I want one ticket for, and then you say one word from the movie's title. <laughs> I, I noticed thing I was able to find, cause that was a big part of the experience. Let's go for a few more minutes. This, this episode is fun. Um, yeah. but let's, uh, so there was like a thing that would happen with the, uh, people would come in, not knowing the name of a movie and they'd go to you as the employee to ask for it. And I had one guy, he was African American. He said, "I'm looking at with the movie, the new movie with three black guys." And there are <laughs> movies for that market, which they would call urban. Which I don't really like that that term. Yeah, it's kind of racist. Not, but they had the urban section, right, or, or whatever. And it was all these movies, uh, a lot of white people just never heard of. And I found what he was looking for, but it took time. Like it, it was, well, was a direct-to-video series called, I think, uh, oh, I don't know, he speaks French, Trois. T-R-O-I-S. Huh. Okay. And it was like Twa 3 or something. It, it was like, I'm, I was ecstatic. I found it for the guy and he like couldn't believe yeah. it. But I'm like, going off of this movie has three guys in it. Like, and? <laughs> uh, I know, it would have been like Three Kings. I uh, Something with three in the title? I don't know. People too would return movies a lot because to get their money back to say, this is filth. But I mean, I, I, I grew up in Georgia at that time. And like, oh, yeah. with the heavy conservatism uh did your family either of you have to return a movie because it was so bad to get money back that worked sometimes uh we um, we never did that uh like we, uh, the only the only time though the, the closest we ever came to that so uh this and actually this was at that that family gathering one of the videos we had gotten was a best of eddie murphy from saturday night live and were the whole and so the whole family, except for like the youngest kids who just had passed out, 
we're all we're all watching it together, and you know it starts with the uh, it starts with the uh, James Brown hot tub sketch, which is goddamn brilliant. Where it's just yeah. him doing this dead on James Brown parody, singing about a hot tub, and like and we're all having a great time. And then a Mr. Robinson sketch comes on, and our grandmother was so offended, we had to take the tape out. On Meet the Robinsons, that's the one she was offended at? No, no, Mr. Robinson, the Mr. Robinson sketch. Yeah, the Mr. Rogers uh, oh. uh, parody. Right. From SNL, you know, where he's like, where like, it's Mr. Robin, it's like Mr. Rogers, but he lives in the ghetto, and he talks really nice and friendly like this, then there'd be a knock at the door, he'd go up to yeah. the door, who is it? <laughs> I, I don't know, I was thinking of like the... One of my favorite SNL sketches, I mean, that, those were big renters too, right? SNL, best yeah. of this, best of this. Um, eventually on DVD, they would have um, season sets of only one through five with a few music, full music performances. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I'll be interested to see what Peacock does with all that, because for a brief window, I say brief, it was probably a few years, Hulu had all of SNL, but it was so cut to shit that like the Madonna yeah. episode had no Madonna in it. It ran two minutes. Like it was so I mean, like them not being able to get the rights to the music while that's a big part of the show, like that's really expensive. But to cut like entire right. skits, because like I don't know what contracts they had back then on the old episodes, the newer stuff. Um, even with the newer stuff, the stuff on Hulu isn't always what's broadcast. Yeah, and also they no one probably knew I'm sure no one in like nineteen seventy-nine was thinking about like streaming rights for, you know, the show they were making. Um but yeah, it's got to be kind of dicey because I do remember that. I remember watching the first SNL episode on Hulu a couple of years ago. I was like, whoa, you know, it they were kind of sucks. Not good enough for main, yeah, for primetime TV players. Because <laughs> Howard Cassell had a show called Saturday Night Live at the time. They always wanted the show to be called Saturday Night Live, but they couldn't for that first season. Yes, yeah, so it was NBC oh. Saturday Night. Yeah, or yes, that's right. And but have you um. Did you have you seen the the legendary Richard Pryor episode? That, yes, that's that's my that's by far the best of the early SNL episodes for my money. But Richard Pryor, uh, I I was fortunate enough to take the NBC studio tour uh, several years ago, in in New York and at Thirty Rock and got to see the SNL stage, which it, it practically made me cry. It was a pretty moving experience. But the seats wow. are these like shitty baseball stadium seats from the seventies that are uncomfortable. The, there's less theater space than you think and yeah. as well um uh, what i was getting at but th- oh that's right they said a story about richard Pryor where he apparently gave like a his opening like after the show was over like he gave like a, a speech that was like so filthy like a stand-up act that was like one of the dirtiest things people have ever heard that they still talk about that day like i don't think that's on videotape <clears throat> excuse me but with R- richard Pryor, there's a sketch or uh the one with him in prison remember that one thrasher i believe not off the top of my head maybe it's not richard Pryor. maybe this is just garrett morris and dan Aykroyd. but they're putting on a musical production and dan Aykroyd is the prison warden uh auditioning people and garrett i guess it's not richard Pryor, but garrett morris comes up and he's at the end and his son is like i'm gonna get me a shotgun and kill all the white as i see I'm going to grab like it. The early stuff was highly political, highly dark. Uh, and it's really softened up. I think over the years, I think you have some good cast members. I think, uh, yeah, the early stuff had more absurd 
skits too, which I liked, like the shark attack survivor. Yes. <laughs> the Jumbo one. That was hilarious. It's Blues Brothers, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, oh, oh, the Richard Pryor sketch I was thinking of is him and Chevy Chase, and they're doing oh, the job uh, interview. Job interview, and they do word association. And, and the words uh, get increasingly offensive as the sketch goes on. And and then he gets the job. <laughs> yeah. It, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it makes some interesting political and, points. And they're both being racist to each other. And so you hear these like words for, for both side, for both white and black people that I've never heard before. Like They get pretty obscure with some of the epithets uh, uh, they, they toss around. But I, I would highly recommend that episode if you can find it. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is a fascinating watch. No, on uh, six, six, 60 Minutes or someone did a Richard Pryor in memoriam thing recently. And when they showed those sketches, they bleep stuff out of it, which pisses me off because that was not bleeped originally on network TV in 1976. Oh, wow. That was always funny to get in writing, you know, some like Eddie Murphy's delirious or something like that. It was always, 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 like, well, you know, you know, like even if it was like a less like a less understandable performance, we usually, you know, you know, got your got your money's worth. Well, let, let's wrap this up. Um, I have one last kind of blockbuster story from working there, and then uh, you guys can used to do one from the rental store days as well. There, there was a. Uh, oh yeah, so sometimes we'd have to upsell stuff. And what would happen is you would upsell, turn off the video, the audio is turning a bit weird. Um, you would have to. Basically, your job would depend on you selling these upselling stuff to customers. At GameStop, that was a big thing too, wasn't it, Thrasher? Getting people to pre to pre-order games. Oh yeah, it was a huge, uh, huge part of that job that really distorted the industry. When you when you can, when a game becomes profitable before it's finished, that's when. Right, and and so. With this thing, uh, what we had to upsell at Blockbuster Video was a a DirecTV installation, which cost two hundred something dollars and a subscription service of like seventy dollars a month. So you're going in to spend maybe ten, twenty bucks on movies, soda, magazines, popcorn, and oh, oh, by the way, you can get a satellite system for three hundred dollars. I hated upselling that. I sold it once. I'm not a good salesman, but I was like, I would tell management all the time. This is the stupidest thing ever. This is gonna like people would resent getting upcharged for that and scream at you. And what even was the uh, license. Uh, what do you mean? I th- it might have been Directv or Dish or one of those oh, satellite okay, television. Yeah. But but the thing is too, we had people come in saying like, well, the guy that set up the Dish, he ruined my roof and all this stuff, and we're like, hey, that's oh. Dish TV's problem. It's not Blockbuster's problem. Oh jeez. So that was a pretty short-lived uh, uh, crossover. Uh, so, uh, Thrasher, what's a what's a final kind of video rental store? Uh, e- either it's like a question or like what's a memory you have, something you miss. Yeah, how about that? Let's make that be the last question. What do you miss the most something. about that store? Never, never heard of. Uh, like in in with, with at least with streaming platforms, I find that true discovery 
is is harder to come by, especially as, mm-hmm. as streaming services start making their own content and don't have to purchase filler content from other sources. So like the really weird esoteric stuff becomes harder to find. And like I, I absolutely love finding the esoteric stuff. But so but one one story. So there's a the best local video shop in my hometown of Norfolk, Virginia is Narrow Video, which is owned by the same people who own the Narrow Theater, which is an art house and, and uh, which is an art house theater that does Rocky Horror and shows a lot of independent movies. Uh, and their whole thing is you go in, you give them 20 bucks and your name goes on a card and then you can just come in, rent something. They punch off the card. Uh, and then when you've punched out the card, just give them another 20 bucks and you get a new card. So it's real easy to just come in, rent stuff and leave. Um, but they always have something playing and it's always chosen by whoever's working the counter. And it's almost always something very strange. And I remember one day going in to look, look for something, probably some BBC stuff or, or anime, which they had a lot of, but the movie they're playing, the movie, it was a guy who in his late twenties, early thirties, made a movie and the whole movie is him just ranting about all the people he went to high school with and specifically calling them out and talking about how much better he is than them now. But, but he hasn't seen them since high school. So it's all based on assumptions and, and it's just the most small petty thing. This person had the resources to make and distribute an independent movie and this is the movie he made. Just him going on a petty rant against some assholes from high school who probably weren't assholes. He really comes off as the bigger asshole because of this movie. And I was just transfixed. And I just stood there and watched like 45 minutes of this movie. Wow. Talking about guys, you have no idea. You know, the only frame of reference you have is what this person's saying about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. How weird. Um yeah, real quick, there is a uh, something in the news recently. You know, movie box office because of COVID nineteen has been so low. So a guy did a real nice producer scam where he he and his buddies filmed like a cheapy horror movie on Zoom as the method on webcams, <laughs> and he four walled a theater, which is a classic practice of buying up all the seats. And because <laughs> it was the number one movie of the weekend, he did oh, the math. Gosh. And he did it like in a theater in New York where the tickets were the most expensive. I'm like, that's genius. Like that's amazing. <laughs> no, no, they got so much publicity and it put the movie in a better position for the light for licensing of the streaming rights. Yeah. Because it's... they could legitimately say it's the highest grossing film. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's on uh uh the iTunes or whatever they call the Apple movie stuff nowadays and, and Amazon to to rent or buy as a digital purchase. But I'm like, that's that's G- I wish I would have had that idea. God damn it. Yeah. All, all the highest grossing films of this year have been re- kind of regrettable. Like I think Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> was the highest grossing for the year for a bit. <laughs> I've heard that one's not that bad. I want to see Jim Carrey in it. What, yeah. you, mentioned the, you mentioned the rental you cards. You watch it for Jim Carrey. Uh, I'm yeah, not going right. to say it. Okay. With, with like the rental cards, um, we would have stacks of like all these free rental coupons. And we, we would do this kind of like scummy bartering system. I mean, we weren't the only store that did this, but we'd, we'd like give a stack to the smoothie place and get everyone free smoothies. We'd get free pizza. <laughs> Sometimes it'd have to be the wheel man to pick stuff up. Like it, it was, uh, it, it, it could be pretty advantageous. We could get car stereos installed. Like it was, it could get, wow. it, it was its own like little micro economy. <laughs> um, but, but Alex, what's something you, uh, 
something you miss uh, from those days. Fond so- memory. Um, one time uh, I saw, I was, I was looking through TV Guide, and um, it said they were playing Barry Lyndon. And oh, was like, uh, Kubrick, I, yeah. Yeah, and I was aware of Kubrick at a very young age with, um, you know, uh, The Shining and Clockwork Orange and stuff. So I was like, oh, my God, you know, and then for some reason I was playing from, like, 10 p.m. to, like, you know, 1, because it's, like, a three-hour movie. So um, my, my mom set up the VCR to tape it for me. And the next day, I was um, I was actually sick, so I was homesick from school. We put it in. TV guy made a misprint. And it was a towering inferno. But <laughs> 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 oh, no. the regal Barry Lyndon, I got you know Steve McQueen and O.J. Simpson running around a, a fiery skyscraper. Um, my mother was nice enough to actually go out and rent me Barry Lyndon wow. and bring it home and watch it. And the funniest thing is, I think I was in like fourth grade. <laughs> oh, that's that's quite the. I guess. You know, I was- a sophisticated young man. For for a scene that doesn't have any nudity in it, the scene early on with the the woman with the the ribbon or something around her her neck. It's a very charged scene. Moment. Yeah, moment, yeah. They're not showing any skin. It's oh, and and they had to get the special lenses and do all the lighting by candlelight. Yeah, to make it yeah. I remember reading the back of the tape. Gorgeous, it was like they gorgeous. actually filmed the scene with nothing but candlelight. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and and the the remember that. Uh, initial well ended on a Kubrick note because why not um or Thrasher do you have any thoughts on Barry London have you seen that one regrettably no I haven't it's on it's on my to watch list please watch but, it. I mean the, yeah, the lesson so to take terrific. away here that so many people forget is you can do a very erotic sexually charged scene with no nudity whatsoever yep. yeah <laughs> sometimes that only makes it more intense yeah or uh, if you're like Tommy was so you have <laughs> you you reuse footage of your own ass bathed in blue lighting, Ugh. pumping someone's <laughs> belly button. Uh, oh, Tommy! <laughs> Tommy. Um, there was I going to say. Oh, Kubrick. Yeah, the very first DVD release. Warner Brothers had like the Kubrick collection on DVD, and Kubrick was, if he wasn't alive at that time, he was like, might have been right after his death. It was the white box. Warner Brothers had those snapper cases. And you remember yep. this about the aspect ratio? Yeah, I, I actually I had yeah, my piecemeal you... collection of that. Mm-hmm. Why don't I you have, explain like... what that means to the listeners? Oh, the... Um, the, the open mat format, yeah, and the aspect ratio. Yeah, the um, DVD aspect ratio was... Um, well, basically the way they um, formatted it was... Um, it was weird. Um Maybe you could explain it better, actually. Okay. That that was a improvised handoff that went poorly. But <laughs> okay. so these movies were theatrical. Kubrick was exclusively at Warner Brothers for most of his career, if memory serves. And they were in widescreen in theaters. Years when widescreen was a thing, right? Um, but th- this was like open mat, meaning you get more vertical information. So it, okay. it, it, it was like practically full screen like not quite full screen you somehow got more vertical information maybe there's little black bars on the side it's been a long time i haven't seen them but you know there all the film fanatics or were, were, were like like me were all crazy like i want the widescreen version but like this is what yeah. the kubrick it's estate um insisted on and in fact they cover this a bit in that great documentary that came out recently about kubrick's assistant who he was a film director himself oh yeah italian well, dude i think um S is for Stanley, was that it? I, I think so. H- have you heard of this one, Thrasher? No, no, I haven't. It's ex- one of the best documentaries I've seen about movies. It's 
it, I mean, it's very intense. I got my anxiety is pretty bad already, but it was like through the roof just watching this on an airplane, hearing the the guy working twenty four hour days, and uh, and now he's like pretty much like the guy in the Kubrick estate that has to approve all the DVDs and stuff and in four K Blu Ray stuff. But he was like, yeah, this is what Kubrick intended for the film format stuff and how he intended it to be watched at home. And then later it got a widescreen release of all those movies. But um, in, in particular, the, the film critic uh, Jeffrey Wells at Hollywood Elsewhere goes on nonstop aspect ratio rants about how he prefers um, full frame or especially that other boxy ratio because he likes the verticality of the framing. Weird. Which, and if you look at it side by side, it kind of works both ways. Uh, uh, famously, Jim Cameron for Terminator 2 filmed every shot twice. Well, he took more takes than two, but uh, uh, to, right. get, to get better frame, to get appropriate framing for full screen and for widescreen. Interesting. Wow. That's some dedication. Yeah. Damn. Any thoughts on aspect ratios, Thrasher? Then we'll close out. Well, just just that whatever the original aspect ratio is, that's the one I want to see. Yep. Yeah, and um, also sometimes like I'll get a movie and it's like, what aspect ratio do you want to watch? And I'm just like, the right one, <laughs> like the one the director <laughs> intended. Like, like I don't really need a choice here, folks. I mean, I'm sure some other people would prefer it, but I am not one of those people. <laughs> I dated a girl that insisted on full frame, and I would just say no. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and 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 I had a, a remote control that had a zoom button. That actually did pretty well. You couldn't adjust it after it zoomed in. Yeah, would it would get a little pixelated. Her, but... Yeah, she'd try and sneak the remote away from push the zoom button. She goes, that's better. And I'd be like, no, like, I, I'm, I'm an asshole about that stuff. Full stop. <laughs> and on that note, that I'm an asshole, we're going to end this episode. But this has been a great trip through memory lane and just sort of the, the that retail experience is something special. Here in Portland, Oregon, uh, you know, there's no more blockbusters. The only blockbuster left is in Bend, Oregon, which is a few hours away. I really should do that drive sometime. Um, yeah, do a report. Oh, they're a great yeah, idea, man. right? Um, and we have something called Movie Madness that was going to go. I've referenced them in the show before. They were going to go out of business, and uh, a local nonprofit theater, the Hollywood Theater, bought them out and made them a nonprofit just so they'd stay in business. And they added a small theater inside the the video rental store and the guy that owns it um, used to be, I don't know if he was a collector or he used to work in Hollywood doing costumes, but he has, it's kind of a mini museum. You have an original gremlin. You have the miniature of the Ghostbusters house. Uh, You have the, one of the knives from Psycho, maybe it's like a wooden knife. Very cool. If any of you guys ever come to Portland, Oregon, I'll, I'll have to take you there, and you can just waste hours looking at stuff. That's and awesome. I, and I hope you still do well after the uh, after this pandemic, after these stores can open, because it's really hurting a lot of small businesses. Um, yeah. We lost something when we lost this, but as you move forward, people have more, uh, they can pick more, they have a better uh, library to pick from than ever before. And, and I like that you're seeing streaming services like Pluto.tv, and, yeah, uh, and stuff. Uh, IMDb TV has some quite good stuff. The first few seasons of Columbo and, and so forth. Uh, yeah, which is very cool. And also, like, I guess before signing off, I would like, just like to do like a shout out for, I mean, with whether it's you know Criterion, Arrow, Kino, Flickr, Alley, um, Shout Factory. You know, these people are you know they're putting these movies back together. They're you know giving them the right aspect ratio and color correction and all that. And like, 
this is the best way we can have a relationship with films that you know we can't really have and but sometimes you know the with the uh, retail business going out and rental business going up but you can still have a relationship with movies that's important on a physical media level and um it's good to you know give these people your business because these are people that are you know they're not operating on the hugest margins they're not like you know raking in the dough they're doing it because they love movies and if uh, you love film then spread the love (laughs) i guess is what i'm saying thrasher uh, no, I guess I I, I have uh, I have no shout outs. I just I just largely like I miss I miss browsing. I, that's something mm, that I yeah. I would love to bring back is just trying to find the weirdest thing or just that thrill where there is like like I said like I watched a lot of Doctor Who there, but like the video store would get like maybe one new Doctor Who tape a year, and it's probably because <laughs> I was the only person renting them. But when that new Doctor Who tape came in. Hooray! Brain of Morbius! I don't have to rent the five doctors for the seventh time. Yeah. <laughs> sure, and uh, like a lot of regular customers, the first thing they do when they come in is ask up front, oh, did this movie come in? Because it right. would come in the, the shoot, but uh, not on the shelf yet. So, excellent, yeah. Um, no, this was a, a great uh, episode, I think, of Sequel Cast Special, if I do say so myself, and uh, I really hope with um, home video formats, someone is preserving, especially the audio commentaries, but the documentaries, all that stuff, because those are showing up less and less on on the new releases, and the streaming services have done an awful job at having that stuff available on there. Uh, Disney Plus has a few deleted scenes here and there, and some of the documentaries, which is is good. Uh, Criterion Channel does a great job with that. But but everyone um, else doesn't really do anything with those. Um, yeah, with like the Simpsons on Disney, is there are there commentaries? Can you can you access those at all? Or? No, and the commentaries yeah. are excellent. They just now fixed with Simpsons, and they might fix it with some of the other shows. A toggle to switch from full screen uh, of the first uh, whatever thirteen was it sixteen seasons or something? Yeah, something white. like that. Before they went full. And, digital, and originally, yeah. they had everything stretched at one eighty five to one to keep it consistent, but that would ruin the jokes of the old episodes. Yeah, there's many of them. Months. It only took six months, but you can finally watch The Simpsons at the correct aspect ratio, and you can finally watch DuckTales in the proper episode order. There we go. Yeah. But a lot of TV shows on there have everything in one season instead of multiple seasons. The the Star Wars Clone Wars theatrical movie is listed as a television special. Um, yeah. Disney, a, a multi-trillion dollar company, <laughs> takes six months to make something the way it was to begin with. Well, and also, it, like, with... Sorry. They don't give a damn about their media archive. Yeah. No. Well, the thing, too, is that, like, with The Simpsons, too, it's like, that was a qualifier. Like, that's the only reason we have Disney+. Plus. Like, you may, so you have to, like, take that into consideration. Like, mm-hmm. if that's the only reason why some people are subscribing, and it's probably quite a few, then it's probably in your best interest to do right by it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw an interesting tweet from the, a younger person who, who wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons as a kid because it was considered like the South Park of its day as far as the yeah. uh, adult cartoon. or well, That you boy with the slingshot. Oh, that's too dangerous. <laughs> right. Oh, he said, eat my shorts. He said, damn. Oh, uh, Homer had a, had his dog piss on Flanders' lawn. Lastly, <laughs> that was Reverend Lovejoy. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> the uh, Famously at the time, why do I say famously all the time when it's not famous? George it's W. Bush. Yeah. 
it's famous to me. Uh, George <laughs> Bush Sr. Uh, had a quote saying, there should be more families like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. Yep. Uh, well, what's amazing is that, so when that showed up on a speech, um, they wrote the office of the president a letter in Marge Simpson's voice. Yep. Uh, basically talking about how she's upset that their family was singled out and that they're like, you know, they're they're just trying hard to get the American dream. It's this really sort of heartfelt but still very yep. funny letter. And what's amazing is Barbara Bush wrote Marge a letter in response. I did not know that. That's really and funny. A, I think it ends with uh, that Homer is quite a handsome fella. Yeah, it is something yeah. like that. You know? It is really cute. And, yeah, and it's it's on it's on the DVD for I think season four maybe. Homer. But in the immediate aftermath, they did a gag on the beginning of an episode where they're watching the they the Simpsons are watching that speech. They are watching the live action footage of that speech, and he's, and he says, you know, on balance, I think our family is a lot like the Waltons. Yeah, we're we're also praying for an end to the depression. <laughs> that yeah, that line I remember. I really got to wrap this up, even though I'm the one that made it longer. So. Uh, Let's get seven more, just like it. <laughs> right, so for uh, Sequel Cast 2, uh, this is uh, Matt Bradley Shergi. Follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help us out. You can, uh, this is William, William Thrasher. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. And also, if you want to help support worthy charities and play some tabletop games, look for KettleCon, Return of the Curse of the Creatures Con, coming in the end of June. Or July. End of July. End of July. <laughs> uh, this has been Alex Miller. You can follow me on Twitter at CrabNebula1914. If you, if you want to see some fun, weird stuff, check out the YouTube video channel, The Trailer Project saying oh yeah have a good one <laughs> your, your movie is due your, your movie wow, sorry your movie was difference. your movie was turned in at a 12.05 so we owe you a 2.99 video rental fee what what you're in jail you can't bobby's in jail he can't pay the rental fee uh well it's you, you have to come you have to come and pay in instead we can't write off any fees here at blockbuster sir You'll have to cry for my cold, dead hands. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a part two on this at some point because I got robbed while working at a Blockbuster store. And, oh, man. Uh, other, yeah, there's all sorts of stories. So, yeah, until next time, uh, stay safe and uh, don't... Uh, you wouldn't download a car. <laughs> <laughs> I can try, damn it. Good luck with it. Good luck with your sequel cast. <laughs>